What's up, everybody? Jay Miller here. This is The Pitch Show, the show where I, a developer advocate who enjoys making things for fun, share some of the reflections from the previous week and even include a little conversation with a friend of mine from the internet. And this week we have an interview with my friend David Sparks, uh, those that are in the automation space, those that are in the Mac or Apple space should know of David. If you don't know of David, what are you doing? Uh, he is the one Mac Sparky, the one field guy, creator extraordinaire. He is both a podcaster, content creator, and lawyer. And when he is not doing all of those things, he is rocking on the saxophone or sharing some jazz recommendations. And we will get into the conversation that I had with him a few weeks back. But first, let's talk a little bit about the power in freedom. And I know what that sounds like. Folks are, you know, we just had an election. People are going to be like, yeah, or people are going to be like, no, or people are going to be like, I don't know, or I don't care. We're not talking about the election for this. We're talking about personal freedom. This past week, I did something that I've been wanting to do for quite some time. I got my eyebrow pierced. And for those that don't know, I'm a millennial, so I'm I'm reaching the point of, I don't want to say middle age, but I'm not in my 20s anymore. And this is something that I've been wanting to do for quite some time. And you might be asking, well, if you wanted to do it for so long, why didn't you? And the answer to that was the same answer that many people don't dye their hair or rock a crazy hairstyle like I got or get piercings and tattoos that they want. And it's because of one thing. They're worried they might lose their job. Uh, it's no secret. I started a new job back in September. I love my new job. It is everything that I have ever wanted. Um, there are, there's a lot of conversations. I'm actually giving a talk on Tuesday. It's like a private talk thing, uh, with a group in Philly called the black and brown students. Um, and I'm going to be talking about how I got to where I was or how, where I am now, uh, just growing up in the system and, or not in the system. Wow. That makes it sound like I was either adopted or in prison, but no, I was in neither, uh, growing up in America and, and kind of some of the options that were available to me and how I navigated that path to get to where I am today. All that to say, before this role, I was in a very corporate-y, corporate, corporate job. Like, it was, like, tattoos were a thing that if you had them, you were asked to wear long sleeve shirts if they were on your arms. Uh, you always were expected to wear, like, a polo um, or a button-down shirt. If you wanted to go through the promotion track, a suit and tie maybe were more your speed. You always had a fresh haircut. And... Honestly, it looked better if you were busy than if you were actually productive. The more work you got done and the more carefree or calm you felt, the worse it seemed like you were performing. People, they wanted you to feel and look like you were just stressed out beyond all belief. And honestly, it became a problem for me. 
where I, I just wanted something different. And ultimately that's why I left and, and took the role that I, I have today where there is a lot more freedom to do things, but also do them in the way that best suits you, not necessarily do them in a way that's like, we fit this model. Now, a big part of that is uh, the company structure and company values that we have. We call it our our source code. Uh, One of the things that we believe in is ultimately that happy employees who are able to do things the way that they believe will give them the best advantages will ultimately be more productive. And yeah, honestly, it's been true. I've been able to to build stuff. I've been able to learn and, and implement things. And ultimately, there's usually like a three month window when they're like, just just take your time and learn. And, you know, we're not expecting you to, to talk or, or communicate or do things. And by like month two, I'm leading initiatives like in the tweet that I asked or that I posted earlier in the week about uh, leading groups to focus on diversity and inclusion and just kind of expecting to be told no or expecting to be told to go through this long drawn out process of requesting access to things and all these other things. And instead they were just like, Hey, let's talk about it on Monday at the next meeting and and share what you've done, share what you you want to do and what's coming up next and you know, even that got fast forwarded and now it's like we have a Slack group and we have issues that we've created and all this other stuff and I'm actually building tools like the Twitter list uh visualization tool that I created over this past weekend to analyze groups that are a part of these Twitter lists that we can actually use to implement very proactive strategies towards having groups and supporting groups that are all about diversity and inclusion in tech. And it's, it's one of those things that when you're given freedom, the freedom that you have is power. Now, of course you can go buck wild with that. I mean, I don't, I didn't have to ask anybody to, to get my eyebrow pierced, but at the same time, if I get like crazy stuff tattooed all over my face, then it becomes kind of an issue because I represent the company. But being able to express my quirkiness and my freedom through a simple piercing and, you know, I'm thinking about getting another one. But even with that freedom, I want to think more and more about how do I make this look as good as possible? I'm not making rash decisions. I'm not making rush jobs and I'm not doing things in out of fear. It is now that I have the freedom to do those things. How do I do the best job possible with them? And to me, that's where the power lies when you have the ability to do things and you don't have to worry about the consequences as much. It encourages you to think outside the box and to try things that you wouldn't have tried before. And by doing that, it gives you the ability to get results that no one else would be able to get. I mean, I'm being told to just book conversations with people and make phone calls. And I love it because at the end of the day, all I have to do is say, hey, do we have a resource for this? If not, I want to use this. This is how much it costs. This is what it'll give us. And they just say yes or no. And if they say no, they're not telling me I can't use it. They're just telling me that they won't reimburse me for it. And, And I have yet to get a no. So in my mind, it's just like they are willing to explore and see and and give enough freedom for me to take advantage of the 
capabilities and the opportunities that are at hand. And it's coming back positive on behalf of the company. You could say everything is coming up Millhouse. And I absolutely am enjoying the idea of being in this position and having the power and the freedom to make choices like this. So with that being said, I want to talk a little bit about the things that are coming up after all of this, but this conversation was a little bit longer. Um, I think after this, we started doing conversations probably closer to like the 30 minute mark. Uh, but I'm going to jump right into it. Here is my conversation with David Sparks, uh, Max Sparky, aka the host of Mac Power Users, Automators, Focus Podcasts, and also the creator of Sparks Law and many, 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 many wonderful build guides. I have on the line with me, he is the host and co-host of several shows that you can find on Relay FM, including Mac Power Users, uh, the Focus Podcast, the Automators Podcast. He is a alto sax player. Am I right there? Alto tenor and an out of tune soprano player. Okay. He also has an empire of screencasts that he does over at MaxSparky.com. It is the one, the only David Sparks, aka Max Sparky. David, thank you so much for coming onto the show. Oh, my pleasure, Jay. I'm really happy to be here and I'm looking forward to talking to you. So I'm sure there's like three people in my audience that don't follow you already. So for those three people, please give everybody the the forty thousand foot view idea of who David Sparks is. Uh, you know, David Sparks is a work in progress. Let's just say that. <laughs> I um I have a website at maxsparky.com and I am super enthusiastic about nerdy Apple things and I just like to nerd out. So uh from that I've grown things where I write articles and I participate in podcasts and I make the uh Max Sparky Field Guides where I kind of try to teach some of the nerdy coolness that I like on the Apple platforms. So one of the things that I was wondering is your your field guides have so much variety in terms of skill level. Like you have like the photos field guide, which I would say is kind of a more beginner focus. And then you have like the shortcuts field guide, which is kind of like that middle of the road, has some power tools, but also really trying to get people into it. And then you have things like keyboard maestro or uh, the series of Mac OS like command line or I guess Mac OS tips in general that you did with Brett Terpstra. Yeah. How do you decide this is going to be like the beginner level course versus, okay, now we're going to get into the weeds and like really play with some power tools. Hey, you know, I'll tell you, Jay, I really don't try to limit them, but you know, different, different subjects only go so far. Like, you know, Apple photos is not, you know, uh, it's not, you know, it's not Photoshop, right? So there's a limit of how far you can go with the Photos app. So that one got to a point. But really my goal with everything I make, whether it's a Mac Power Users episode or a field guide, is to start 
every one of them at a very fundamental, basic, you know, let's break it down level. And I think because I think one of the biggest problems in technology is there's a lot of people that want to learn this stuff. But, you know, too many people try to teach you by starting, you know, on a 30 step process. They want to start at step 15. And you really do need to start at step one if you want to get someone to level 30. So uh, I try to do that with everything, even like the ones like Keyboard Maestro that really go off into the weeds towards the end. Uh, it starts very basic and. Uh, so every course I make, I, you know, the, the most important thing is how do I get somebody who doesn't know that much about this enthusiastic about it and learning what they need to, you know, make it from step one to step 15. And then I try and spend the second half of it, you know, you know, cranking them up to 30. And that's the goal with, with everything I make really. Like I said, even in a Mac powers episode, if you listen to it, um, we spend a lot of time outlining them and planning them and, uh, the first, you know, half hour is getting you up to speed on a topic. And then the last hour is, you know, taking advantage of that. So they often say that, like, the, you usually learn more by teaching. Has that been the case for you in a lot of these? Like, what was what was one of, like, the things that you learned that, like, just changed your Mac usage forever while preparing for a screencast? Uh, you know, uh, a lot of things. And, and I'm constantly learning. I mean, that's the fun thing about making the field guides, honestly, is like right now I'm working on an update to the papers, paperless field guide. And I did the original paperless field guide in 2012. So it's it's been eight years. And I thought going into it, well, I've got a real good idea what I want to cover in this. And then I started looking at tools and buying scanners. And I, I discovered a whole bunch of stuff I didn't know. So it's always fun to... uh to kind of dig in on this stuff. And that's, you know, I, I make them for myself as much as if for anybody else. And, and talk about digging in. I mean, Mac power users has how many episodes now? We're recording episode 551 on Monday. I, I've interviewed a few people lately that have longevity in podcasting, which is kind of weird to say, because it feels like podcasting hasn't been around that long. And I mean, now that I think about it, like, wow, I've been podcasting for half a decade now, which is insane. How does it feel when you look back at like Mac Power Users episode one compared to today? Well, it, it doesn't really feel like it was that long ago. And, you know, I'm not one of the granddaddies of podcasting. I mean, when we started Mac Power Users, there was already a lot of mac related podcasts there were no iphone related podcasts because there were no iphones but the uh you know the uh when we started people told us hey you know what you shouldn't do that there's already so many shows in that space don't bother and um but we really felt like we had a different idea for a podcast i mean i i had a podcast that i wanted to listen to that nobody was making and that's why we made mac power users to scratch my own itch really well, that, that leads like right into my next question is what podcasts are not out there that you wish were? Um, that's a good question. Um, there's so many good podcasts out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you talked earlier about music. I'm, yeah, I'm a jazz enthusiast and a very amateur saxophonist. And I, th I thought it would be great if somebody made a podcast about, you know, jazz improvisation 
And then I just discovered the other day somebody does. So <laughs> that one's already there. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, most of, most of my itches are getting scratched right now. So I feel like I'm pretty good. Uh, I am interested in the productivity space. And I find most of the podcasts in the productivity space are just unbearable. They're just like, you know, the guy's got the voice and he has all the answers, you know, and I just, I can't listen to that stuff. But, um, I mean, if you listen to the show I make with Mike Schmitz, which is kind of, um, I'd say productivity adjacent, <laughs> it's not really productivity, <laughs> but, but we spend half the show apologizing every time about how we really have no clue how we're doing anything. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I feel like there needs to be more honesty out there about some of these kind of more hippie topics like productivity. Well, I, I was a guest on on your show, and in that we we did talk about that a little bit. And I mean this this show is called Productivity in Tech, which is funny because we haven't talked about productivity in wow two three four years. But uh, and yeah. and it's always one of the funniest things when someone comes into our Slack channel for the first time and they're like, "So what what uh, product management tools do everyone use?" And we're just kind of like, "Uh oh." Uh, <laughs> Let's let's yeah. let's have this conversation now. So I, I yeah. definitely agree with you that I think the best advice that I got from a productivity guru was I don't know what I'm doing. I'm making it up as I go along. And honestly, that's what productivity is. It's it's being able to roll with the punches and have a bunch of knowledge behind you to kind of help guide you into making the the right decision for that moment. Yeah. And, and honestly, a sense of adventure about it and be willing to try things and hack yourself a little bit. So I wonder you were, you were into the Apple ecosystem. You still are, but you started a podcast called Mac power users. You yeah. ventured out into your own to become a freelancer. So you started a podcast called the free agents and then you've been playing with shortcuts and all these automation tools, and you started a podcast called The Automators. I wonder what's next. And and is there an area of your life that you've thought about doing a podcast on, but maybe something's kept you from it? No, honestly, I, I'm at capacity right now <laughs> with the things I do. Uh, I, I do think that like, if you want to make things for the internet – you have to always be questioning what you're putting your time into and asking if that thing, whatever it is, is, you know, if you're getting back what you're putting into it. Um, but right now I'm in the very fortunate position that I feel like everything is kind of working. I had kind of a period of upheaval. I first started writing the field guys. Actually, I, I wrote several books for a big publisher for a while. I had books like in Barnes and Noble and things like that, but I discovered that, you know, the publishing system treats tech authors like grist for the mill. You know, honestly, they just they don't pay that well. You really don't have a lot of say over the editorial element. I, I just didn't like being shackled. So I I went out on my own and did those field guides and I did them through Apple's iBooks platform for many years. But, you know, if you follow the news, Apple's kind of abandoned that now. But I, I saw the writing on the wall a few years ago. So. I transitioned the field guides to my own platform and now they're all video. So I had that kind of upheaval going on. 
And then I added two podcasts over the last several years, the Automators and the Focus podcast. Well, Focus started out as free agents and then became focused. And like right now, everything is just kind of clicking along. So I, I don't really have a whole lot of ambition to add new things right now. I just want to make the things that I have really good. Well, it, it seems like you're doing a good job with that. And and one of the things that you you kind of hinted at there was you know what you've become amazing at and you focused on doing those things and you focused on having those conversations. And I see that when when I look at a show like The Automators, where it's not just two people having a conversation about a, a iOS shortcut. It's let's talk about a whole category of shortcuts and include those shortcuts into the show and allow people to be able to take them and, and modify them and do their own things with them. And let's build an entire community around them. I feel like a lot of that is playing to the strengths that you have being able to generate that content, but also to that of your co-host. In that case, you have Rosemary Orchard, who I really need to get on the show. I think I've said that like 18 times this year, uh, but she seems to have a really good grasp on community engagement and talking to people in the community. And, and even she's a, she's a developer. She's an automation wizard herself. Like, do you ever feel like, I'm trying to think of the right way to say it. Like, do you ever feel like you're holding back anything because you don't feel like it's relevant for what you're doing? Well, I mean, there's a balance there. I, I mean, my thought behind automators and frankly, a lot of the stuff I do is that anybody can do this stuff. But for a lot of people, there are these little barriers. Maybe the barrier is just their own limited you know, imagination in the sense that they don't, they don't believe they can do it. So I want to get it across that they can. And like with that show, a lot of times we include in the show notes, downloadable scripts. So we talk about something you can download it and play with it yourself. And, and that is, uh, you know, so that's really important, but at the same time, you, you have to kind of, when you present that stuff, especially in an audio format, you know, nobody can see, the script when you're talking about it on an audio podcast. So I feel like you have to kind of narrow the topic into a way that makes sense for the listener. If you start talking about it, then suddenly start like reading off JavaScript lines or something like that. It's just the audience is, I mean, you can't expect someone to absorb that when they're driving down the freeway at 60 miles an hour. I, I definitely get that. And, and I wonder, you know, what has kept you from, maybe taking that into like a video format to where you can, you know, put up shortcuts or show them working in action or even doing kind of like the live stream thing. I know a lot of the, the relay FM shows do like live audio, but I don't know if any do live video at the moment. And I mean, that would seem like that would be something that fits for that format. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I, uh, you never know what the future holds, but I'll tell you, that's an incredible amount of work, you know, and, uh, you know, we want to make that show, but if you make the hurdle to publishing that show so high, you're not going to be able to get the show out, you know, and the, I feel like right now we've got a nice balance where you can download them and you can listen to us if we turn it into videos. And I can tell you as someone who produces a lot of screencast video, that it is an extraordinary uh, amount of time to make it like I've been doing it for 10 years and I still have days. I, I was recording one this morning 
and I recorded it once and it came out, there was an audio issue. So I had to re-record the whole thing. And then I'm, it, took, it ended up taking me an hour to get about two minutes of video. So, you know, you do a uh, podcast that's 45 minutes with video and think about how much time you're going to put into that, you know. And unfortunately, you know, it, you, you only have so much time in the day. So I, I don't know exactly, you know, Rose and I are very interested in other ways to share the information, but we also have to do it in a way that allows us to pay for our shoes. Absolutely. And someone that edits a lot of video, I can easily uh, empathize with that. Um, I actually had an issue now. I'm in the process of, uh, I guess when this comes out, I will be at a new employer, but I'm transitioning from one job to another. And they asked me to make a series of videos and I recorded like three or four with my audio, with my microphone not being set. So I, I then got to play overdubbing, which was really interesting. And all right, David, so we've been talking a lot about the podcasting side. Podcasting and screencasting and all these things is only half of what you do. So please tell everybody about, uh, I guess, not Max Sparky, but... David Sparks, is it Esquire? Do, do, do that, uh, David Sparks, attorney at law? Yeah, I had a law professor from the South who told me once, never ever refer to yourself as Esquire. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I practice law. Um, the, uh, for 27 years now, Jay, <laughs> I was just looking at it the other day, 27 years. Good Lord. Anyway, yeah, I am a business lawyer. I represent about 150 clients and I'm what you'd call in-house counsel for companies too small to have in-house. You know, I, a lot of my clients are little development houses. I represent a lot of it people because I understand tech. I, I have a lot of tech related clients, but I also have clients that own restaurants and other things too. So, uh, but I, uh, I've kind of been on a long road. I mean, for a long time I was a trial lawyer and no longer am I a trial lawyer. And, I would say that the the law side of my life now is much more in the neighborhood of 35%, you know, 35-40% of my work time. Max Sparky is kind of creeping in to the law time a little bit over the last couple of years and that's that's by design. I was I was just going to ask like how do you feel with that especially for me as you know part of what I do is is podcast editing, video editing course, all that stuff and as I accepted a new job, I get a phone call for someone that wants me to do like 48 work hours worth of work by the end of the year. And I'm like, um, no, I don't, don't really, yeah. don't really have the bandwidth for that right now. So yeah. are, are you, are you trying to not ease yourself away from that, but are you trying to say, you know, one day I'm going to hang up my briefcase and my my jacket and pick up a, a WWDC T-shirt and be Max Sparky full time? Uh, you know, no, that's really not in the cards for me. I um, I've been a lawyer so long, I don't know if I could ever stop. I I get a lot of joy out of it. If you if you look at the studies, most lawyers are miserable. But over the years, I've been able to tailor my career, and this is partly due to the success of Max Sparky, is that if I get a client and they don't listen to me, if they don't pay the bill, whatever, I just throw them overboard, you know, where I think a lot of lawyers are stuck doing cases they don't want to work on. 
Um, the biggest, you know, transition for me in this, I, I worked for a firm for many years and I've, I've got my own little firm now was I was litig in litigation. I used to go to trial and I used to stand up and yell, object and do all the crazy stuff trial lawyers do. And I kind of started to lose interest in it because it just, the, the system is just so weird and that's a whole nother topic for another day. But but it's also massively lucrative if you're a lawyer because you spend so much time and it's just so expensive. I tell my clients to avoid lawsuits and they say, why? I said, well, just imagine setting a bonfire, but instead of using wood for it, you're using $100 bills. And that is what a trial is like. And um, so I just, you know, I, I found that I didn't want to do that. So I I gave up the most lucrative part of my business in order to be doing the stuff I really enjoy, which is helping clients stay out of court and, you know, giving people practical advice and helping them succeed with their business. And, and for me, the stuff I do is Max Sparky is I, I want to touch people's lives. You know, I want people to listen to a podcast or watch a screencast and, and I want their lives to get better. I get emails from people saying, Oh, thanks so much. You know, I learned this really cool trick in your shortcuts field guide and, now I get my work done sooner and I can get home to my kids, you know, and that's like, to me, that's what it's all about. And on the legal side, I touch people's lives as well, but in a much more dramatic way because I'm helping them through difficult problems. Um, so Max Barkey, they're little touches, the legal side, they're big touches. Uh, Max Barkey, I can only do a few people with the Mac, I'm sorry, with the legal practice, I can only touch a few people in a big way, but with Max Barkey, I can touch a lot of people in a little way. But either way, I'm getting the same happy chemicals, right? So I I don't see myself ever stopping so long as I can control what I'm doing in both spheres. All right, last question before we jump into the after show. You've been practicing law for, you, you said it, not me, over 20 years. I'll just, we'll go there. Uh, you, sure. you have been podcasting at this point for a very long time. What do you think has transferred in skill set from being a lawyer, especially a lawyer that, you know, went to court, had to shout objection and, you know, call people out on their stuff? But what has transferred from lawyer David Sparks to podcaster Max Sparky? Well, I think, you know, public speaking helps if you want to be a podcaster. But for me, it goes back further than that. And college, I was on the intercollegiate debate team. And uh, my college job, I was a jungle cruise skipper at Disneyland. I've been talking in front of people my whole life. And I am very um, extroverted in front of a crowd and relatively introverted with like one-on-one. -on -one. I'm not very good at, you know, one-on-one -on -one with people. But you stick me in front of a room and I'm I'm easy. And so I think, you know, having that ability to speak is okay. Maybe the lunacy not to think too much about it and just talk. You know, I, I don't second guess myself a whole lot. I just kind of say what I think. And fortunately, there's there's some bit of an audience for what I have to say. You can listen to my conversation with David Sparks. David, again, thank you so much for being such an awesome guest on the show. I am so privileged that I was able to sit down and talk with you for some time, but that's actually going to do it for this show. I 
rambled a little bit longer than I wanted to at the beginning. So I'm just going to go straight to the end of the show there. Uh, Remember at the end of the show, after the music plays, the after show is going to start. I've combined the two. They're going to be together. So you can enjoy both the regular show and the after show. If you don't want to listen to the after show, you don't have to, you can skip it or you can just go to the next episode or whatever. But of course, if you want to connect with me, you can do so. KJYMiller.com or productivityintech.com. They both go to the same place now. Uh, I will talk about that in future episodes. But also follow me on Twitter at KJYMiller. And if you enjoyed this conversation, if you enjoyed my thoughts, you can get more of them. You can join the newsletter. Just hit the newsletter button on the website. Or if you want to help support this project and the many other projects that I do with the code that I write, with the ideas that I have, then you can do so by becoming a GitHub sponsor for me. I don't have anything special to give you uh, for doing that. Um, again, I will get into more detail about my thoughts on that uh, in future blog posts and other things, but it is a way to show appreciation or to you know help keep the show on the air. We've been talking about kind of the end of pit as we know it and then becoming this new thing. It's probably going to be a an even transition at some point. The feeds may change, but ultimately the content is going to be similar. But I'm going to have some other projects coming down the road and uh, they're going to be kind of limited run stuff that is going to require your support to become a reality. I'm thinking big. I'm no longer challenging myself within limited scope. I want to go beyond where I'm at now. And the only way that I can do that is by continuing to challenge myself and also getting as much help from possible from folks like y'all. So, of course, like I said, you can catch all of this content and more over at kjymiller.com. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to my guest, David Sparks. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at Max Sparky and check out his website that has links to all the stuff that he's doing at MaxSparky.com. Thank you so much for listening again after this is the after show, but that's it for the regular show. I've been your host, Jay Miller. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. I will talk to you next time. You said earlier in the show that you turned down a gig, 48-hour gig, because you didn't have the bandwidth. I want to know how you decide what makes the cut and what doesn't. I mean, clearly, it's not just hours. If somebody called you and said, yeah, I know it's going to take 48 hours, but I'm going to give you $1 million for it, you would make time, right? What's the calculus, Jay? How do you decide? For me, it's a simple math question. I I set my rates. So if someone comes to me and says, I want you to do this particular show for me for $1,000 or whatever, I'm going to say I can't do that. Because what I've learned is for a lot of people, money equals power and power equals control. So by me setting my rates and charging everybody the same, no matter how popular or not popular they are, and I know that's a terrible marketing and sales strategy. Uh, it's kind of intentional. I'm allowed to treat every one of my clients exactly the same. And a lot of that really is just time, but it's not.
time put in, it's time that I'm taking away from other areas. I mean, I'm a husband. I'm, you know, I'm a dad. My, my little one's going to be two in three weeks. And I'm like freaking out over that because it's gone by way too fast. Every opportunity that I take takes time away from my family. It takes time away from me just sitting down and relaxing. It takes time away from me working on my own projects. So I often choose projects that I'm interested in and projects that allow me to work on some of the things that I'm already thinking about. You know, right now I'm doing a lot of transcription work and people are like, why would you ever do that? Well, I'm also building the framework to make transcriptions easier for developers. So part of my working agreement is I'm going to charge you my normal rate. I'm going to do your transcriptions. And at the end of it, I'm going to feed all of that into a search engine that allows me to create better tools so that I can do more of that work easier and faster and that I can open source all of it and have other people benefit from it as well. How do you keep track of your existing commitments, like in terms of how much time you're already booking in so you have time for your wife and kids and the other interests? Well, I will say that uh, my wife does a good job of, of letting me know. Uh, that's that's one way that I, I handle that. The other way is it really is kind of a gut feel. I I do a lot of automation stuff that will handle – like, hey, this is how much time things took. Uh, I use Timing, which is an app and set app that anytime I'm at my computer, it is tracking what I'm doing and how long it took to do that thing. So occasionally I'll look at that. When I do have to change my rates, that's usually how I go by it. I'll go, hey, I spent 30 hours last week working on something and I got paid the effective rate of ten dollars an hour that's not yeah. gonna work <laughs> i need to i need to change yeah. those numbers you make more money you know doing french fries at mcdonald's <laughs> exactly you know, problem but in terms of just you know managing i guess all of the the intangible stuff the relationship with the client all of those things a lot of that is it's this terrible bullet journaling habit that all these productivity gurus got me on several years ago and i just write everything down and the reason I like that is because I can often see when I look back at it, every day has its own page. I can look back yeah. and see how much I've done that day based on how full the page is. Yeah. Lately, I've been actually experimenting with going back into digital tools on that. And I'm doing an experiment with day one. And man, it is really nice having something where you can capture digitally really quickly. <laughs> I forgot. I mean, I just, I love using yeah. my pens in my notebook for it. Yeah, I get it. I get it, brother. I've been there. Um, all right. I've seen pictures of you playing the guitar. When's the last time you picked it up and what's the song you played? Oh man. Well, I don't have a guitar anymore. Um, which is, oh no, yeah, that's a sad, wait, 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 how are we going to fix this? <laughs> how are we going to fix this? Well, we'll fix it. We'll, we'll fix it soon. I'm enough. not coming back on until you get yourself a guitar. <laughs> I'll hold you to that. I, the next time I invite a man you on. has to have his art, man, you got to get your art, cut your art. So the last time I played a guitar was actually, I played my brother's acoustic and the last song I played was probably Drive by Incubus. All right. It's just one of my favorite songs. Just one of those songs I learned yeah. a long time ago and like 
I, I pick up a guitar, you know, after not touching one for a year and a half and go right back where I left off. Yeah, you have a daughter, right? Yes. And how old is she? She she'll be two next or she'll be two next month. You have to get a guitar. She needs <laughs> she needs daddy to play guitar for her. I know. It's that is that has been one of the biggest conversations and actually I went in the other direction just yesterday. We had to get rid of some some garage junk and inside of it was a drum machine that I had gotten from a relative and I was just like, man, this thing's collecting dust. Uh, so I, I leaned over to the guys and said, Hey, you know, that stuff right there. If you know someone that's into music, don't, don't throw that into a junkyard, give it to them because they, they can use it. Yeah. And it, it, I don't want to just collect in dust. Yeah, that's fine. But I, an acoustic guitar, man, you, you can get one off Amazon and have it tomorrow. It doesn't have to be fancy. <laughs> You need a guitar. I, I will say that my music passion has actually always leaned more towards the production side, not necessarily the uh, creation side, which I think is why podcasting, like the spoken word aspect has just always been there. I, I've loved spoken word. I've, I've even loved like talk radio. That was like my thing growing up. But I've always wanted to be in the studio behind the controls saying, I'm going to take what you've given me and I'm going to turn it into that thing that is a masterpiece. Yeah. I, we have, um, on Mac power users, the show is kind of recorded out of time, but we're recording the show in August, but next week we have the guy coming on who wrote the score for frozen and Moana and oh, wow. a whole bunch of other stuff. And, and one of my questions again before I was like, how did it feel sitting behind that massive board? When the orchestra is going off at full tilt, it must have felt like godlike power sitting in that booth. Well, the the fun thing is, um, I, I mentioned Nadira Mawali. That's my uncle, and he's a musician up in Detroit. He's a award winning musician. Did some stuff. I he's my uncle. I, I give him a hard time for anything that he does. But one of the the coolest things he ever did was he purchased a small studio space that was owned by Motown. And just going up there to sit down and like sit in rooms where, you know, (sighs) countless people, (laughs) just, just so many great names, so many great musicians, so many artists, so many techniques and, and music production and, and even playing like came alive in those rooms. And it's just so amazing to have that feeling just kind of, flood over you as you're just tinkering away and playing with knobs and sliders. Yeah. Yeah. I bet. I bet. Well, man, that's what I've got for you. I, I want you to play more music and I'm just fascinated by anybody that's as busy as you are and, and how they get their work done. Well, I'm, I'm trying to reduce the busy and uh, a little bit more. And, and with this new job, I don't really know what's in store for me. I'm going to be doing a lot more speaking. So That'll that'll be interesting. Oh, that'll be great. Yeah, I uh, I'm in uh, Mike's mentorship group, and you know one of the things he had mentioned wanting to have people from different places in podcasting, and I was like, you know, Mike, I I'm sure everyone else here wants to have a super successful podcast that has ad revenue and all those things, but 
honestly, I just love talking to people and money tends to muddy things. So if I can just have someone pay me to sit down and talk to people and with uh, Elastic, the company that I'm going to be going with, that was actually one of the things that they talked about was like, how would you like to just sit down and interview developers that are using our products? And I was like, that sounds amazing. And I'm getting a paycheck for it. Okay, sign me up. Yeah. Nice. Well, I wish you the best of luck with this gig. Although by the time this publishes, you'll already be in it. Absolutely. And uh, thank you. I'm, I am looking forward to it. <laughs>